Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 18 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we have a very good episode. And the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We are towards the end of all of our Round 2 matchups. None of them have finished, and none of them are at the very beginning. So this is a great time to talk. Also, Saturday, this will be our last episode before we take a short couple-week hiatus. But we will be back in a couple of weeks, and I think about four weeks. So let's get started right now. Andrew, looking into the NBA. Now, there are four playoff series currently going on. Now, let's start with the blowout series and get to the closer ones. Now, Andrew, when you look at the Bucks versus the Nets, we thought the Nets would run away with the series, and sadly, for Bucks fans, they kind of have. Andrew, right now, Nets are winning the series 3-1. to one. Do you think they'll finish in the next game? Ryan, I feel like in this series, a big question is, are we going to see the Nets' offense prevail or the Bucks' defense stand to mount? In, in the first two games, even when Harden went down, the Nets' offense prevailed. And they just said, you know what? We're going to have an offensive game. Let's see if the Bucks can play off enough offense to beat us. And you know what? The Bucks could not. They could not beat their offense because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were too good. And you know, Blake Griffin is somehow returning to just an amazing player. I don't understand how. I don't understand why, but he is actually becoming a very good player. And then in game three, the Bucks said, you know what? Let's have a defensive game, okay? Let's see who can play better defense. Let's have a physical game, ground and pound. Let's see who can win. And you know what? The Bucks won that game. But it was very close. That game made that the Nets are now up 2-1 to one in that series. Ryan keeps on telling me. In that game for the Bucks, it wasn't the defense that was amazing. It was Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Milton. Those two guys together put up almost 80% of the Bucks' total points. 80%! I believe they combined for maybe 75 points or so. And the team got only 86. But one, 86 to 83. Now, a big storyline for the Nets is who's going to step up without James Harden. Now, if Blake Griffin continues to put up 20 points per game, Joe Harris makes four to five threes or maybe even six or seven, then yeah, they're going to win. But if Giannis can play great defense, if Drew Holiday can play great defense, if P.J. Tucker can continue to play great defense, and Giannis and Milton get a great offense, Bucks may swipe this one. Now, in my opinion, this series... It's over. It was over after game two. Not game one? Yeah, maybe Harden was out. Yeah, maybe they could win. But after game two, I'm sorry. They won by like 35 points. They showed that, when, at least in my opinion, if they really want to, they can win this series. And it should not be a challenge. Game three gave me a little bit of hope for the Bucs. It definitely did. But not enough for me to pick them. Ryan, what's your take with game four tonight? Yeah, Andrew, this should be an interesting game. As you were saying, it's really up to the top players in the series. And you want to always think, well, what if the supporting cast shows out? What if the Bucks' big centers show out? And what if a bunch of good people on the Nets play, play well? But no, I think this is about Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday versus Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I think whichever three-summer duo really plays better, I think that team has the edge tonight. And definitely, I'm going to pick the Nets tonight because I'm going to pick the Nets every single game. But... I think the Bucks do have a chance. I mean, they've won momentum coming back from the last game. And I just feel like this team right now is looking better than we thought. I mean, a lot of people thought they'd get killed in every game. And they did get killed in one game, but I think they stand a chance. We'll see what happens. Now, Andrew, in 
another series between the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Now, this is a 2v3 seed, so we thought this could be pretty close. So, Andrew, what is currently happening in the Sun vs. Nuggets series? Well, yeah, Vine, earlier this week, we heard some not surprising, but news. We heard that Nikola Jokic was the league MVP. To touch on that later and who the other votes went to. But this was some momentum for the Nuggets. We thought that maybe they could swipe this series. But you know what? In game one, Sun said, no, 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 no. We're the better team. We are the better team. And they took that game. In game two, basically the same thing happened. The Suns came out, guns blazing, and they said, this is our series, this is our playoffs, this is our year, not yours, you have the future, we have the present, and they took that game two as well. Game three, almost same thing happened, the, Nugget, the Nuggets just got demolished. The Suns said, you know what, we're just going to go 4-0, okay, we're going to have a week off, and we're going to win, and that's exactly what happened. The Suns are now 3-0, I believe their next game, or game four, is in maybe two or three days, Ron checks, it is on Tuesday, so that's in two days, and I feel like that game... I'm sorry for Nuggets fans, but you may be going home very early in this playoffs, even with your league MVP. Just the Suns are too good of a team. Chris Paul is showing out so, so well that I just feel like there's no way that the Nuggets can come back. Yes, Nikola Jokic is probably the best player in the league, but I don't know if that's going to go to winning basketball. Yeah, you have Michael Paul Jr., Aaron Gordon, but those guys aren't great defenders. Jokic is a fine defender, but hey, who's going to stop Chris Paul? Who's going to stop Devin Booker? Who's going to stop DeAndre Ayton, who I might add is having an amazing series? No one. Ryan, who do you think is going to win this game for? Yeah, Andrew, personally, I do think the Nuggets will win, not because they're the better team, but just because the Suns might try to rest some guys just because of Chris Paul has gotten injured so much in these playoffs. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably pick the Nuggets, but yeah, definitely the Suns are going to win this series. No doubt about it. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Mike Halbridge, and Jay Crowder are just too much to handle. Now, Andrew, by the next time we talk to our listeners, this series will definitely be over, and I think even the next round will be over. So, Andrew, with the Suns' pure domination in the series, do you think the Suns could beat the Jazz if they end up playing next round? Right, in my opinion, first, we have to talk about who's going to win between the Jazz and the Clippers. Now, this series, in my opinion, looks exactly like the Suns. Where it's a team that's coming off a decent win, back-to-back -back wins with the Clippers, like the Nuggets. And they're kind of feeling some momentum, but the Phoenix Sun, but the Jazz are going to stop them. They took game one. They easily took game one. They took game two. They easily took game two. Game three, Clippers said no. Paul George said, you know what, this is stupid, why are people calling me playoff P or pandemic P, and he showed out with just a great game. Then you have Kawhi Lam, who has the chance to go off for 40 points basically every single night, ever. And you know what, he had a great game, and that is why the Clippers took game three. Now, I still like the Jazz coming out of the series, and I think Ryan does too. But, we have to think about, is this Clippers, where they have the ability to just have these amazing games, like in game six and seven against the Mavericks, and this last game against the Jazz. If they have this ability to flip a switch, and their team just goes on amazing stretches, just right there, should we be thinking about them in the next round? I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like we have to see it at least one more time before I can say that you're going to beat the one seed in the Jazz. Ryan, what's your opinion about this series? Yeah, Andrew... 
I agree. The Jazz are the better team here, and I continue to pick them in this series. But again, as you said, the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, in his career, he's one of the best playoff players we've seen in maybe at least 10 years. And when he's really good, it's when his back is against the wall. We remember that 2019 NBA Finals run when he was on the Raptors. We saw him against dominant teams. Absolutely destroy them just with his willpower and his will to win. And here, I'm not guaranteeing they're going to win. But when you've seen what Claude Leonard has done in the past, I don't know. It seems like he could do it. And Paul George, we remember him from his Pacers day, game, days. He led that team single-handedly. Now, yes, Kawhi Leonard. So we'll see if these two can pair up in their next game to try to take back this series. But Andrew, as I said before, if the Jazz play the Suns, this is one of the most highly anticipated matchups in the NBA playoffs this year, in my opinion. Who you got? Brian, this series is very, very weird. I feel like if this series does happen and both these teams make it to the next round, it's going to be a very good series, as Ryan said. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not really giving you an 100% answer. Just because it's going to be so interesting. These teams are made up so differently. The Suns. Sorry. No, no, I was right. They are made up very differently. Now, both these teams do have pretty good depth. But, the Suns might have the top player in this entire series, and Chris Paul, who has the ability to be a top-time player in the league if he can play like when he was in his prime. Now, Devin Booker versus Donovan Mitchell, a debate I know Ryan and I have had for basically the last year now since these guys have been breaking out. Then we have Aiden versus Gobert. I think we can agree that Gobert is much better. But then we have Clarkson, Bogdanovich, Ingles, who might be better than Michael Bridges and uh, Jake Fowler and Cameron Payne and Langston Galloway or whoever else is on the Suns. But then after that for the Jazz, you don't have that much. The Suns still have decent guards. You got decent centers. I don't know. This is going to be very interesting. I can tell that Ryan does not like what I'm saying whatsoever, but I have to say I'm picking the Jazz. Yeah, Andrew, I would maybe pick the Jazz, but I don't know. When you were saying they are mixed up differently, I couldn't disagree more. You look at both these teams. Both teams have a veteran point guard, Mike Conley and Chris Paul. We can both agree our veterans are both decent players having very good seasons. Now, don't get me wrong. Chris Paul is the better player. But they're both veteran point guards who led their teams. Then, both of us have a shooting guard who was drafted within two years of each other, Devin Booker and Donna Mitchell, who are constantly being compared as two of the most similar players in our game. So those guys are clearly similar. Then, at the center, we have two young defensive centers in DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert. So right there, I think that's very similar. And both teams have two other decent players on the starting roster of Bojan Bogdanovic and Royce O'Neal for the Jazz. And then for the Suns, it's Jay Crowder and Michael Bridges. Both teams have a young guard on the bench, Cameron Payne and Jordan Clarkson. And both teams have a young coach who was up for coach of the year this season in Quinn Snyder and Monty Williams. Now, Andrew's telling me that I accidentally said the wrong center's name. It is DeAndre Ayton for the Suns. Now, personally, I think these two teams are very similar, which makes it so incredibly challenging to pick the winner of this series. But if I had to pick, which I do, I've got to go with the Jazz. I think they have better depth. I think they have better superstars. And I don't know. 
This is going to be a really close series. Now, easily, we could both easily be wrong. But, to me, it just seems like this series is going to be close. It has all the makings of a great series. I strongly recommend at least catching one of the games between the Jazz and the Suns. I don't really care who wins. I guess I'd prefer the Jazz to win. But, I don't know. This is going to be a good series either way. Now, Andrew, let's get to the other series in the Eastern Conference. It's the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Atlanta Hawks. Andrew, right now this series is 2-1 to one in favor of the 76ers. Can you break these games down? Ryan, this series is super confusing. Now, we all saw that Joel Embiid was questionable for Game 1 with his, um, I believe it was a knee or maybe a lower leg injury. But he played. But you know what? It didn't matter. Because he had an amazing game. But the 76ers still lost by about 4 points. But early in that fourth quarter... They were down by almost 20 points. That's right. They only lost by four. But you got to look at the box scores. You got to look at the entire game. You got to watch some to realize that this was not a very close game. The Hawks were pure domination. But then in game two, even with Embiid kind of limping and being out for maybe seven minutes because of random injuries and touching the ground with his foot, the 76ers still won. But this game as well. It was a very close game. And no matter what the final score was, this game was neck and neck until the 76ers kind of pulled away in the final two minutes. In game three, 76ers pretty easily took this game. I believe it was maybe an 8-12 point win. But the Hawks stayed with them. Unlike what I thought, which is what, which is that the 76ers would easily dominate this, maybe even go 4-0, maybe 4-1. But no, the Hawks are staying with them. Now, the 76ers could easily, could Easily, prove me wrong, blow this game out by 20, blow the next game out by 20, take this use, send the Hawks home, say, Andrew, what were you talking about? We are the much better team. And that could happen. But, I feel like this game might be in favor of the Hawks. I feel like they have a chance to steal one right here at their home court. Ron, what do you see having in this, what do you see happening in the series, and then predict the next series in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, Andrew, I completely agree. I think the 76ers are going to take this series. But just to really quickly focus on the Atlanta Hawks. Now, last season, this team was absolutely horrific. They were absolutely terrible. And last year, they got one of the top picks in the league. You might think, oh, right. Well, I'm sure that person helped them in time. Newsflash, it didn't at all. But the Hawks are one of the youngest teams in the league. And they are looking to be one of the best teams in the league. I think next year, even if they don't do well this year, I think next year they are going to be a force in that Eastern Conference. But yeah, i got to pick the 76ers against the Nets. Now, Andrew, the entire year, we've been talking about this. The Nets. Can anyone stop the Nets in the Eastern Conference? The question remains, can anyone? But next round, I think if the 76ers win their series and so do the Nets, this will be the, 70, this will be the Nets' biggest test of the year. Now, again... The Nets seem unstoppable. But if any team can stop them in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be the 76ers. Andrew, can they get the job done? Well, Ryan, in my opinion, a big thing in the playoffs has been, do you match up with the team or opposite the team? Now, as we were talking about last round with the Jazz versus the Suns, both good defensive teams, both with great assist men and great rebounders. Then we had the Clippers versus the Mavericks, who were both teams with one or two superstars, Luka Doncic, Versus Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and basically not great other players. 
this year's the Nets this entire playoffs when they first played the Celtics. That's a defensive team without Jalen Van. Now they play the Bucks. That's a defensive team when basically Giannis Antetokounmpo is not going off for 50 points. Then they might play the 76ers, who in my opinion are the most well-built team. I don't care about the Jazz. I don't care about the Suns. I don't care about the Lakers. I barely care about the Nets, but they'll probably still win. Joel Embiid is the best player in this game. I don't care what the MVP vote says. Joel Embiid is the most valuable player in this game. I want him on my team more than any other player. Just because of how talented he is. No one can guard him. And you know what? The Nets are going to put DeAndre Jordan against him. They're going to put Nicholas Claxton against him. These guys are not very good. Joel Embiid is going to have a field day. Then you have Ben Simmons. Now, my people say, oh, he's just a defender. But no, he's one of the best offensive scores in a game as well. Doesn't always get the most points per game, but that's more because Joel Embiid is just doing too good. Well, who's going to guard him? Huh? James Harden is out. Kyrie? I don't think so. I don't think his defense is out there. And he's definitely not tall enough to guard Ben Simmons. KD, maybe? Now you're putting your best defender on the floor against their point guard when he may be able to guard your power forward and Tobias Harris, who's also going to have a field day because they don't have another good defender. The only guy I'm a little bit worried about is now Seth Curry. I feel like he might not get maybe even five points per game in the series just because Bruce Brown is really becoming a great defender. But another guy that, in my opinion, really gives the 76ers a huge edge that you may even not know his name is Matisse Thybul. Those of you who don't know, Thybul was drafted in the 2018 draft, and a lot of people loved him. And then he did not have a good season. But this year, he's become maybe the best defender in our entire game. You might say, cool, he can't guard James Harden, can't guard Kevin Durant. But you know who he can't guard? I think he can lock down Kyrie Irving. Now, maybe not lock down, but I'd say keep under 15 points. If you have that, if you have Embiid helping out Kevin Durant and Tobias Harris there, Danny Green is out for this series and for maybe the rest of the playoffs. But if you can shut down those two guys, you can win the series. You can 76ers. I still pick the Nets. Yeah, exactly how Andrew finished. You can see so many good things with the 76ers. They have such a good center. They have such a great defensive point guard. They have such a great defensive team. But again, you cannot stop three MVP candidates on the same team. Now, you can stop two. That's just including James Harden, who's currently injured. But three? I don't know. You've got to be a mere perfect team. And I don't know any team that is that besides the Jazz. So I don't know. I, again, have to pick the Nets. But I would catch some of these games between the 76ers and the Nets. It's going to be interesting. Now, Andrew, that basically wraps up the playoffs. I believe that by the next time we talk to you, we will be at the end of the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals. So, Andrew, if we have the Nets and the Jazz, who are currently our favorites to make it out of the East and the West, who would you take in a best-of-seven championship series between the Jazz and the Nets? Fine. I'm sorry, I heard what you just said, but there is no competition. The Nets are the better team in this. As I said just a minute ago, the 76ers are the only team that can beat the Nets. They're the only team that even stands a tiny bit of chance. And you know what? I am going to stick by that statement. The Jazz are not going to stand a chance. Now, maybe they're the more well-rounded team. Maybe they have seven guys who could be all-stars, and the Nets only have three. But you know what? The Jazz best player is Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell would be the fourth best player on the Nets. And it would not be close between him and Kyrie Irving. It would not be close. For that reason, I picked the Nets. I feel like their scoring is too good. Who's going to lock down Kyrie Irving? 
Maybe Mike Conley, who can barely even stay on the court? Who's going to lock down Kevin Durant? Maybe Royce O'Neal. Maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich or Joe Ingles. I just don't see it. Who's going to lock down James Horn if he ever comes back? No one. You got no one to take down this man. You just have no one. Ryan, anything you want to add about the NBA before we move on? Yeah, Andrew, let's just look at this MVP race. Now, as you said, Nikola Jokic was the winner. And this makes sense. But, I don't know. It feels like Steph Curry made a great case. And that's why he was did earn a couple of MVP votes. Seems like Joel Embiid made a great case. But he was injured for a lot of the year. So that might have been why he didn't do so well in it. James Harden, to me, seems like a candidate. Kevin Durant, seems like a candidate. But just answer, besides Nikola, sorry, besides Nikola Jokic, who we all agree should have been the MVP, and he was, who would your MVP be if not for, if not for Nikola Jokic? Ryan, this is so hard. Because there are some years, like two years ago, where Giannis just had such a good season. Just no one even came close. Then there were years like five or six or whoever you want to count him. Or Stephen Curry won the unanimous MVP, putting up like 35 points per game, leading his team to 72 and 10. Just, there's no way anyone else could have gotten it. Now, this was like this. Well, guys may have good seasons, but didn't play good defense. Team didn't do great. And then there's guys like Curry, who are leading his team. But is that because they have no one? Is this the ceiling? Could they have done better if he would have played better? Could he have put up more numbers? Could he have played more minutes? And then you have amazing guys who you have to think about what's their downside. Luka Doncic, Damian Little, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Now Durant and Harden were injured. Harden didn't play that much. Durant missed like 30 games. But, Marvin was the best player when he was healthy. Then you have Dave, who is just constantly being underrated. An amazing scorer. Just an amazing scorer and assister and basically all facets of the game. Luka Doncic, who's just having an amazing season. But, it all comes back to what guy put up the best stats and made people just watch the game. And that was Nikola Jokic. There's no question. I can say the second Curry was better. I can say that Giannis was better. I can say their team's better. I can say that they're better players. But it all comes down to who's the best player, and that's Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Now, Andrew, MVP race was close. But let's move on to the MLB. Now, Andrew, I believe we are currently approximately eight weeks into this MLB season. And right now, many things are clear. One thing that remains clear is that the Boston Red Sox are at the top of the game right now with a crazy 600 winning percentage. And you know what? If they were in the National League, that would be the third best. But what is the best right now, Andrew, is the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, Andrew, every single week, we come on here and we say, what is going on with the Rays? Who do they have? Tyler Glasnow is good with a 2.57 ERA, which is number five in the American League, which is solid. But how are they good? Now, Andrew, the, no the answer that we normally give is, I don't know. Randy Rose, Randy's good. But, Andrew, why do you think they're actually so good in the top, the top of the MLB right now? Ryan, a big thing for me is smart coaching. Now, this is different, or obviously baseball is different than the NBA and the NFL. It's not as much about, did you play the right people? Did you give them enough minutes? Did you get them the ball enough? No, 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 no. Baseball's different. The manager 
says, I'm going to give you the ball. He says, I'm going to put the ball in Gosnell's hands for seven, eight innings. And you know what? Last year, or yeah, last year, when he took Snell out in the World Series and they lost because their reliever blew it, that might have been his fault. But now in the regular season, when you can have 10 wins or 10 losses in a row and still win the World Series, that is going to work. And somehow, some way, the Sam Bay team is winning. Randy Rosarina is actually having a very good season. Now, Brandon Lau isn't doing great, but they're pitching staff. Now, I know maybe four pitchers on this team's roster. Three of them, I've never even seen pitch. But, how many guys have pitched this season? How many guys have actually had decent seasons? Maybe not MVP, maybe not even top five, maybe not even top 100. But decent seasons. They'll give you two outs right there. Two outs when the game is close. Maybe first and second with no outs. How many guys do they have that can get you a strikeout and then a ground out that ends the inning? A lot. Maybe the most in the entire MLB. Now, how many guys do they have that are going to get you a no-hitter? Maybe a perfect game. Maybe seven perfect innings. Maybe one. But this team is so, so, so deep. They have an amazing minor league system, an amazing depth, and I can barely name any hitters on this roster, but somehow they're still winning games. Now, Ryan, in the top of the American League Central, we see the Chicago White Sox. Last year, they had an amazing year. This year, they are definitely one of the favorites in the American League after they just had an amazing season, but their top two hitters, besides Jose Abreu, Eloy Menes, and Luis Robert, now out for a very long time, but this doesn't seem to affect them. Ryan, do you see them sitting Stop this division for a very long time, or do you feel like someone is going to steal right from under them? Yeah. Andrew, personally, I feel like, again, this White Sox team has been absolutely incredible. But this Cleveland Indians team is only four and a half games behind them. And I feel like, I don't know, this Indians team, I feel like, sorry, but they might run out of steam, especially with one of their best starters, Zach Puizak, who's already been injured for two weeks, will also miss at least two or three more weeks, so we'll have to see what happens there, too. But, this White Sox team, as Andrew alluded to, their hitting has been incredible, and their pitching has been phenomenal. Sad that they are losing their incredible second baseman, Nick Madrigal, for the rest of the season due to, due to some surgery that I forgot. But, again, as Andrew said, with all the injuries they've faced and all of the players that they've missed, this team has still been absolutely incredible this season. But, Andrew... I really want to look at the Boston Red Sox. Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and Alex Verdugo have been absolutely insane this year. And that was no surprise to anyone. But when you look at the pitching side, Nathan Avaldi is shockingly having an incredible season, even though he hasn't done that in four or five years with the New York Yankees. And I don't know who else is doing well for them. I think Martin Perez is doing decently well. I think Eduardo Rodriguez is healthy and doing decently well. But, I don't know. We'll see if the Red Sox can continue this dominance. But, Andrew, if we're just going to look at a couple of hitters in the game right now, they're just really playing well. Andrew, there are few, few people in the game right now who are hitting better than Cedric Mullins. Man, this guy is playing out of his mind right now. I believe in a three-day span, he had what? Five home runs? This guy has been phenomenal this season. I'd love to watch Cedric Mullins. But... I also love to watch Xander Bogarts. These two guys have faced off in many games, and Xander Bogarts has really just played amazingly. 
I feel like he's one of these guys, a lot like Stephen Curry. Where in the mid-2010s, both Curry and Xander Bogarts were decent players. And a lot of people started to forget about them with offseasons last year and injuries. But now, Curry, this year, came back to, to almost an MVP in the NBA. And I think Bogarts could win an MVP in the MLB this season. Bogarts is just having that monstrous of a season. Now, Andrew, we could talk about players forever. But there's something in the MLB happening right now that I think a lot of people need to hear about. And, Andrew, that is a cheating scandal. Now, Andrew, this is not one team. This is not two teams. This is not a, a, just one division. This might be the whole league. Now, you're probably thinking, uh, Ryan, what? Did like someone do something really bad? And it's not that bad. But, and this has been going on since baseball started in the mid-1800s. This is the foreign substance on a baseball rule. Now, when everyone thinks of baseball, they think of a strikeout, a curveball, a changeup. And when someone asks, how do you get so much spin on your ball? Every pitcher would say, well, I hold it this way, or I hold it this way, or I have this arm angle. But what baseball has realized a very, very long time ago, many pitchers aren't that original. They are using foreign substances to alter the baseball. Now, that used to be the spitball, where they would just spit on the ball and get an incredible spin on it. They would also often scratch the baseball and scratch the laces to make it spin better. And there used to be more of this, but now there's not, where they're just using flat-out substances like a nail file or Vaseline. You could see hundreds of videos on YouTube of pitchers reaching into their back pocket and touching something on the ball in their glove, and they're staring at the ball, looking a little bit paranoid. And the M comes out, and he says, what you doing? And he says, oh, I'm not doing anything. And he says, let me check your pockets. So they check his pockets, and they say, open up your pockets. So he throws his pocket out, and this little thing falls out. And what is it? It's a nail file. There are so many videos like that. I totally recommend watching some. It's crazy how many times pitchers have cheated and manipulated a ball, which is not a lap. Now, there are so many other ways. There was a couple of times where pitchers have Vaseline on their hat or some interesting substance that I don't even know what it's called on their neck or something. But what has really become now is spider tack. Now, this spider tack is a substance that absolutely gets crazy amount of spin rate on the baseball. Now, it is rumored that almost every pitcher in the MLB uses. Now, all of them will deny it, or unlike Eric Cole, most of them will try to deny it. But, again, we have no idea if this is continuing to happen. This has been going on for so many years. It's not like how it used to be, where they would just bring it out and just hope no one saw. These guys are professionals, not only at baseball, but sometimes at cheating too. Now, I'm not at all making the accusation that every pitcher cheats. I'm not making that accusation. But the day after the new rule is made that no foreign substance and they would be checking even harder, when Garrett Cole pitched for the Yankees, he had a terrible start and his spin rate, which is what Spider Tack helps with, was way worse. Now, everyone's wondering, hey, Mr. Cole, what was happening? When he was asked the question, if he wanted to deny it, when he was asked, do you cheat? He could have just said, no, I don't cheat. Plain as that. But he said, well, um, well, that's an interesting question, and I really can't answer it. Now, if you were guilty and you said that, do you think someone would believe you after that? Now, I don't know. I'm not saying Garrett Cole cheats. I'm not accusing him of that. But, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens here. Now, 
this has really become a big thing in the MLB, especially with Major League Baseball Association changing the baseballs to make them not go as far. Now, it's not a drastic change. It's just a small change. And especially, especially with, for the last eight weeks, every single week, Andrew and I say, there has been another no-hitter. The pitchers are dominating this season. The ERAs are crazy. Jacob DeGrom just set the MLB record for the lowest ERA after Andrew. What is it, 10 starts? Yeah, 10 starts. Jacob DeGrom just set the all-time record for lowest ERA after 10 starts. And this season, we have the most no-hitters so far. And we're going to break the all-time no-hitter record. And the week has its lowing batting average at this time in over 20 years. And the hitters are doing absolutely terrible this year. This can't be a coincidence. I'm not accusing any certain pitcher of cheating, but the MLB is. Not certain ones, but just saying they know there is widespread cheating. So we'll have to continue to watch the situation. I'm sure in four weeks when we're back on the air, there'll be way more news about this that we'll that we will definitely share. But just, maybe not while you're watching an MLB game, but just if you're watching a clip or just watching a highlight, just just take a look at the pitcher and see what they're doing with the baseball. Now, I don't think there's a certain pitcher who's cheating. I think there are a lot of pitchers who are doing stuff that they should not be doing. Now, I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about other sports. So, Andrew, let's just talk about the NFL. Now, Andrew, there was huge, huge news about the NFL just about one hour after we finished recording this podcast last week. Now, Andrew, the huge news out of the NFL in the past month has been all about Julio Jones from the Atlanta Fal- from the Atlanta Falcons, who was one of the most dynamic wide receivers in NFL history in the past 10 seasons, but now he's gotten a little bit older and doesn't want to be with the Falcons anymore. About two weeks ago, he requested a trade. And one week ago, almost to the hour, Julio Jones was traded to... The Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans now have Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. That's right. Julio Jones is on the Tennessee Titans. And you might think, oh, wow, Ron. If Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, he must have been traded for a lot. And you would be dead wrong. He was traded for nothing. Basically, nothing. I believe it was a second and fourth round pick. This move clearly from the Falcons shows they are done with him. They don't care about what they get back. They're just done with him. And now, the Falcons seem to be in a rebuild mode. They have a decent running back who's not that good. They have one of the oldest quarterbacks in the league. They probably have the worst defense in the league. They have, they this year, got the number four overall pick and selected a tight end. They have a very young wide receiving core. So we'll have to continue to watch if this team is in a rebuild. But Andrew... All the attention now turns to the Tennessee Titans. Now, Andrew, when we look at these Tennessee Titans, as I said, they've one of the most electric offenses in the league. Andrew, do you think the Titans, where do you think they stand now in the AFC? Levine, after people got him, they start saying this guy made the Titans a Super Bowl favorite. And you know what? It's fun to jump on the hype. It is amazing. To watch this guy get trade and then go, this team's going to the Super Bowl. This team's going to the Super Bowl. There's no competition. This team is so good. You know what? That's what I said the second I saw. But then, I thought, wait. Let's compare them to the Chiefs. Who has the better quarterback? Easily the Chiefs. Who has the better wide receiving core? Easily the Chiefs. Now, clearly running back is the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry is way better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 
but who has the much, 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 much better defense, and that's clearly the Chiefs. Now, these two teams could be good competitors, but you can't forget about the Bills, who are obviously amazing last season. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, the running backs are, in my opinion, the worst in the entire league, but their defense might be the all-around best. And we can't forget about the team that everyone also said was going to the Super Bowl just about two months ago with the Cleveland Browns. Now, we know that their quarterback room is not great with Baker Mayfield. Their wide receiver room is not great with just um, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. But their running back room is amazing with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Their defense is amazing after they got you David Carney, half Miles Garrett. I believe they have Leah Ergen Joby, and they might have had Sean Richardson, but they also might have let go of him. And they have a good secondary with Denzel Ward. I feel like these four teams could be great teams. But then we can never forget about the Ravens, who last year did not have a good season whatsoever. But Lamar Jackson has so much magic in him. They got many new decent wide receivers just and an amazing new defense, which I feel like are definitely going to help them so, so much. Climb the top ranks. And this team is always being slept on. I feel like even last year when they had their amazing starts, people were still saying they're going to lose. They're going to lose like their next eight straight. And yeah, they kind of did. But the Steelers, I feel like, could be a team that could definitely be a Super Bowl contender with that phenomenal defense. Yes, Ben Roethlisberger is way too old for this league. Juju Smith-Schuster should probably be just on social media full-time. But if they really get their act together, Deontay Johnson could become amazing. Nash Harris has a great running back rookie season. That could be an amazing, an amazing team. Now, we've started having... Voluntary OTAs, which I'm pretty sure basically means that play the teams say to their players, "Hey, can you come to our um, camp or whatever our site and let's have you practice with them?" And no surprise here, but Aaron Rodgers did not show up for his teams, and I believe almost every single person in that receiving core did not go either. They have all said we 100% back up Aaron Rodgers. We'll stay with him until the end is near, and we will do whatever it takes to get him back in Green Bay. I don't know what's going to happen. I believe Ron said this last week. That it is a deadlock. Roger says, if you fire this person, if you get rid of this, I will come back. And they say, we will never fire that person or whatever. And then, but, just this is so confusing. Because, do we know if Rogers wants to be traded? Or do we know if he wants to retire? Or do we know if he wants a new deal? Is there any way they could get Rogers back and be met? That went evolve in basically firing the entire team. We don't know. We really have way too little information. Now, as Ryan says, we are going to take a month break, but then once we come back, this situation could be over. We could see Rodgers in a Broncos uniform, a Raiders uniform, maybe even a Jeopardy uniform. We really have no idea what's going to happen. If I had to pay, which I basically said this entire situation, hell will be on the Packers next year. Now, it's so fun. Like with Julio Jones. It's so fun to say, oh, he's going to this team. He's going to that team. What would you do for this team? What would you do for that team? What would you do for my team? But you know what? Rodgers isn't leaving. He is not leaving. He's going to be on the Packers. Week one. He's going to be there. He's going to play every game this season. Unless he gets injured or whatever. But he's going to be on the Packers. Week one. So is everyone else. And yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um, That's the truth. Yeah. Andrew definitely has to continue to watch that situation. But let's move on to our Minnesota Twins. Now, 
and to the Twins are still not doing great, but we are improving. In our last 10 games, we're 4-6, and six, and we've been playing decently well. We played against the Yankees, and we are decent. We're currently in a series against the Astros, where, where we are also playing decent. But Andrew, just some things I've been looking at. When we look at the Twins' current roster, when we look at our best batting average hitters, number one, Byron Buxton, injured. When we look at number two, he only he's barely played at all. It's Nick Gordon, who I'm guessing you've never heard of. Number three, has not played at all. He just has only 50 at-bats. Rob Refsnyder. Number four, okay, Nelson Cruz. He's sitting very well at 280. Okay. Number five, Alex Kirlioff. Now, this is only number five. On most teams, the number five average hitter is still hitting pretty well. But ours is hitting 250, which is not good at all. And that's Alex Kirlioff, who also doesn't have that many at-bats. Then it's Anderton Simmons, who does not have that many bat at-bats, who's batting just above 250. Then it's Trevor Larnock, who has less than 100 at-bats, which is barely any, and still not hitting that well. William Sostadio, who doesn't have that many at-bats, is only hitting 250. Jorge Polanco, who is supposed to be one of the best batting average players in the entire league, is only hitting 250. Josh Donaldson, only 250. Then Kyle Garlick is injured. Mitch Garver is injured. Max Kepler is injured. And after that, we have Ryan Jeffers, who's hitting 190, which is terrible. And then we have Miguel Sano, who's hitting 180, which is just terrible. This guy's hitting 180? That's terrible. That's absolutely devastating. And then we look at our team's home run leaders. Miguel Sano is barely in first place. Literally, Byron Buxton has... Byron Buxton has 70 less at-bats and one less home run than Miguel Sano. We pay Miguel Sano to hit home runs. He's barely doing that. And this guy is playing absolutely, absolutely terrible this season. And then we look at the pitching side. And we look at our top pitchers. Okay, Luke Farrell has our best ERA, but he hasn't really pitched, so that's not really fair. Hansa Robles, a reliever, has our second best ERA. At 2.83, which is pretty good. Okay, then Andrew, do you know which pitcher on our team has the third best ERA? I'd like to actually have you guess, and I promise you, Andrew doesn't actually know. Andrew, who do you think Island Twins has the third best ERA? Jose Barrios. Incorrect. Randy Dobnock. Incorrect. Kent Maeda. Incorrect. Bob Vefsnyder. Close. It's actually Williamus Astadio has the third-best ERA on the Minnesota Twins. Now, this is flat-out embarrassing. This guy is a catcher. He has basically never pitched in his MLB career. He is a catcher, and he has the third-best ERA on the Twins. And then it's Trevor Rogers, not, er, Taylor Rogers, not that far behind. Michael Pineda has a pretty bad ERA at 3.5. Jose Brios has a not-great ERA at 3.5. Jorge Alcala has a fine ERA at 3.55. Caleb Fielbar, who is injured, has a 4.3 ERA, which is terrible. Tyler Duffy has a 4.5 ERA, which is absolutely terrible. Someone Ober, who I've never heard of, has a 4.85 ERA, which is terrible. Alex Colome is terrible. Kenta Maeda, last year, was second in American League sign voting. And this year, 
has a 5.2 ERA. That means if he pitched for 9 innings, he'd give up 5 runs. Now, in our last 10 games, Twins have only scored 5 runs, I think, twice. So we would lose all those games. Kent Maeda is pitching terrible this year and is injured, but hopefully should be coming back. And I believe that he is healthy enough to make a start tomorrow. J.A. Happ, who is another one of our starting pitchers, has an even worse ERA at 5.75, just terrible. And then Matt Shoemaker has a 7 ERA. That means if he pitched 9 innings, he would give up 7, I kid you not, 7 runs. That is absolutely embarrassing that this guy is on our roster. A 7 ERA. And it's not like he's just pitched two batters and one of them got a home run. No. He's pitched some of the most innings on the team, and he has a 7. A 7 ERA. Twins need to get better starting pitching. We need better relief pitching. We need basically better everything. But Andrew, again, the question still remains. Do we let this year go down? Just pitch Theobar and Odin and Alcala and refs and just hit Ref Snyder and Larnock and Kierleoff and Gorin? Or do we wait for these guys to come back from their entry and try to build around and try to get them to win us some games this season? Ryan, the easy way is to give up. The easy way is to do bad. The hard way is to grind. The hard way is to try our best, put out the press players, wait for the injuries, which sucks. I completely agree. It is torture sometimes, especially with the Tim was this season, where we had such a good team. In my opinion, a very good team, a playoff-bound team, and then just injuries killed us. Just guys playing bad killed us, especially the injuries killed us. But for the Twins, we are a good team, no matter how many losses we have, many, how many games our relievers blow, I still say we are a good team. Now, in a month, we may come back, we might say, fun season's over. We've lost 30 of our last 40 games. We just have no chance. But, I reckon we might be saying, you know what? We've won 25 of our last 40. It's not the best. We're not in first, but we're not in last. This Twins team may not be the best. But we are not going to be in the same place in our division as the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Minnesota Vikings for six weeks. I'm sorry, but there's no way this is the real Twins team. I will not accept that for at least until we get back. There's no way this is the real Twins team that's playing this badly. I cannot accept that. I can not accept that. Anyway, Ryan, anything you want to add before we talk about the Timberwolves? Yeah, no. So, Andrew... Let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, again, there is barely anything to talk about. But, let's continue to talk about free agency. Now, Andrew, in free agency, do we need a center? Probably not. Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, is incredible. Our backup, Nas Reed, is doing very well. Let's look at the smaller guys. A point guard, D'Angelo Russell, is great. Ricky Rubio is probably better than most free agent point guards that we can get. And Jordan McLaughlin will be Ricky Rubio's successor. And look at shooting guard. Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Noel, Josh Okoge, Jared Carver, definitely fine there. Small forward, it's basically the same guys with maybe the addition of Jane McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. Man, you want to look at power forward with Jared Vanderbilt and, and Jane McDaniels. Andrew, do you think we should sign a free agent power forward? A hundred percent yes. Fine. For the past 
two or three years, maybe even since Gori Zhang, when he was actually for some reason decent. We have had the worst power forward in the league. The, I, I don't care about potential at this point. I don't care about if why you're getting four points and four rebounds. I don't care if why you're getting 1.3 blocks instead of 1.2 blocks. Congratulations. That's not going to help us win. That's not going to have us be a bottom five team in the league. It's not. It's not. There's no way that we can be a playoff team with the worst in a single position. Now, maybe this was football. Maybe this was baseball. Well, there's nine or whatever in football, 20 positions. But no, when you have five players, five players on the court, and one of them is outside the top 200 players in the league, you're not going to win. You're not going to win games. There's just, there is no way that's possible. No way. This should be a priority. If we get a, if we get a pick, by some miracle, if we get a top three pick, we're going to trade that pick. We have to trade that pick. We have to go out to basically any team. We have to say, give us your power forward. I don't care. You can bring me any team. Name any team. And I would trade my pick. I would trade a top three pick for their power forward. I don't care who it is. They have about a better power forward than we do. And we need one. We need it. Now, I don't want that to happen. I want my pick. I want my top three pick if we get it. And if agency, I would love, love for us to go out and get maybe Harrison Barnes. Or, I believe, Hassan Whiteside is a free agent. Or my Trestle Harrell off Los Angeles Lakers. Any of those guys I would love. That would bring our power forward game to average. Not above average, not going to downs, not only Beasley, not D'Angelo Russell, but average. And at this point, that's all we need. We don't need to be the best team in the league. I don't want us to be the best team in the league. I don't like the best teams in the league. I want us to be in the playoffs. I want, when this time rolls around next season, I want to be talking about the Timberwolves. I want to be saying, Corinthian Towns had a great game last night against the Los Angeles Lakers. And even though the Lakers beat us by 50 points, we are in the playoffs. We made the playoffs and we made something of ourselves. That's not going to happen, but let's hope it does. Yeah, Andrew, definitely true. Now, Andrew, there isn't really any news around the Vikings, but Andrew, just with the Vikings right now, what are your expectations for our two wide receivers in the season, and that's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Javon, I feel like Justin Jefferson could be amazing. Now, we know that Justin Jefferson had the best season, at least in my opinion, of a rookie ever. The best rookie season ever. I don't care if you say that Randy Moss had a better season. I don't care if you say that Jerry Rice would have a better season. It was Justin Jefferson. For those guys to have a better first season than those superstars, than those Hall of Famers, than those best wide receivers of all time in Jerry Rice, that's phenomenal. That means his ceiling is through the roof. He has the potential to get a 2,000-yard season. I'm not saying he's going to do it. I'm not saying he's going to do it. You need a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins to do that. But it's possible. I feel like this guy is going to be a consistent 110 yards per game, maybe even a touchdown per game later in the season. I feel like this guy has such a high ceiling, which basically means that he could be amazing. Now, since he's only in the second year, he does not have a good floor, which basically means that he could have a bad season. He could easily put up 30 yards per game, put up a touchdown every three games, and completely let me down, completely let this city down, or this state down. I don't see that happening. I see him putting up... 
Out of, out of 10, 10 being he gets 200 yards a game, 0 being he gets 30 yards per game, I'll give him out of 6. I'll give him maybe 95 yards per game, maybe a touchdown every other game. Now, with Adam Thielen, it was amazing to see him last year. get three touchdowns in a game, two or three times, double-digit t- double touchdown season. That's amazing. That's not going to happen again. This guy is getting up there in age. He's still a very good player. He has amazing hands. You see that one where he climbed the ladder, threw his hand up, just caught the ball in the back of the end zone. That's amazing. That's not going to happen every play. This guy is clearly a touchdown monster. In my opinion, I just want him as close to possible as Mike Evans, where he's getting 10 touchdowns in the season in enough yards. Yeah. Ryan, now, we're running low on time, but since we're not making another episode for about a month, I think it's okay if we go a little bit over. Now, I don't remember what we talked about this last week, and it's starting to get hard, but trying to highlight what we were talking about a year ago. Now, if you can remember all the way back then, we're doing a podcast every other day. Now, we're doing one once a week. And, honestly, every other day means three or four podcasts in a week, and now we're just doing one. So, we have to kind of shift some stuff together. But, those were only about 15 minutes, and this one's close to an hour, so not that much time. But, one thing that I don't even know why this was important, but back then, basically, someone breathing was important around the pandemic time, was Paul Pierce said his top five players all the time. Now, to be honest, I completely forgot about who they were, and, to be honest, I didn't really listen to that episode. But, I remember, at that time, Ryan and I gave our opinion. And, I think, it might have changed. I don't know. Ryan, what's your opinion about, let's say, your top five all-time, and your top five starting line? Okay, well, my top five players all-time is, in number one, there is no contest in my mind. It's Michael Jordan. It's not even close. It's Michael Jordan. Give me any stat. I don't care. It's Michael Jordan. You can fight me on that. It's Michael Jordan. Now, number two, person, I think it's very very close between LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, everyone knows it says, oh, it's a different time period. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar started in 1969 and retired in 1984, and LeBron James is still playing. It's super hard to compare these guys, but when you really comes down to it, I'm sorry, Kareem, but I have to give the edge to LeBron. But it's very, very close, and I don't know. I think Kareem could be looked at as better, and there are many stats that show that Kareem is better. There are also many stats that show that LeBron is better. So I'm going to go with LeBron James at number two, Daphne Kramer to Jabbar at number three, and number four, it gets really challenging. There are a lot of guys, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Oscar Robertson, Kevin Garnett, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, but I've got to give it to Magic Johnson. This guy has the best floor awareness of anyone all time. Now, his stats might not show that he's the fourth best player of all time, but I think just the way he plays the game, the way he helped his team, he is the fourth best player of all time. Now, number five, I've got, I cannot disrespect this man. I've got to go with the late, great Kobe Bryant in number five. Now, there are so many other guys. And in my top 10, I definitely want Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, and Wilt Chamberlain, or Oscar Robertson, and maybe Kevin Garnett in no order. But yeah, number, my top five, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and Kobe Bryant. And just really quickly, what are your top five? Then, my order is number one, Michael Jordan. Number two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, just because of his postseason athletes were so good. In my opinion, I feel like his stats were a little bit better than LeBron, just a tad better. LeBron has more championships, but has a little bit more MVPs, I think. Or maybe Kareem does, I don't know. But we'll have to see. And then, 
And number three, I, and where I have LeBron, so that's MJ, Kareem, then LeBron. And number four, I gotta go Will Chamberlain. This may be super unpopular opinion, but I'm sorry, in my opinion. When this guy puts up, like, 50 points in a season, this guy is the league leader in points per game ever. Like, 20 points per game, there's no competition. There is absolutely no competition. So what if he was playing against guys who were not trying? So what? I don't care. This guy's number four all time. Number five all time, in my opinion. I know this also may be a very unpopular opinion, but I had to go with Tim Duncan. Now, I know that he may have had a ton of help in his time on the Spurs, but I just feel like he had too good. Some reason now, it is telling me on my phone that our podcast can only be an hour and we're already up to about 56 minutes, so I'm going to talk very fast. The birthday of the day today is Drew Smiley. I didn't, I kind of forgot to look this guy up, but his but right now, he's on the base, and he is a great pitcher in the MLB. When he was first drafted by his team, he came, and he was all business. He was saying, hello, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to work every day. I'm going to work so hard to be the best pitcher I can. And the manager just kind of crackled up. And he said, um, sir, is there a time? And he said, I'm sorry. And I was just about to say, Mr. Smiley, thank you for being so serious. And then he started cracking up. Basically, have a birthday, Drew Smiley. Hopefully, people take you seriously. And if not, just smile. Yeah. Now, Andrew, there isn't that much news in the past week in sports, but one big news is that in the Women's College Softball Championship, the Oklahoma Sooners won the championship. Now, it seems to me like they were definitely the best team over Florida State in the championship, but they did end up winning the championship. Andrew, we'll be back on the air on June 5th. No, June 13th. July 12th. That is a long time away from here. Andrew, is there anything you want our viewers to know before that day, July 12th? Just watch the NBA playoffs. If you have time, I recommend listening to our last podcast. I think they're pretty good, at least in my opinion. Listen to this one. Hope you like our podcast. Hope you keep listening all in a month on Twin Talk MN.